Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. You know, money doesn't have to be boring. I get a lot of questions of people who have set up their accounts, who have money being saved, and they're like, what now? What's next? How am I supposed to design my rich life? That is why I created the journal. The journal is something you can do either on your own or with a partner. Imagine yourself 15 minutes in the morning, you have a cup of steaming tea, and you're sitting down following the prompts that help you envision what your rich life is. What's your perfect week? What's your perfect month, year? This journal is designed as a no-numbers journal. It's not technical, but it's going to help you understand what you truly value and also what you don't care about. I recommend you pick up a copy of this journal. You can do it solo or with a partner, and it will help you design your rich life. Get it at any bookstore now. He gets really upset because he wants me to be more positive and he wants to be able to do things with his money. And sorry, it makes me feel bad. It's okay. Makes me feel bad that I can't like give him those things. I can see it in her face. I can see her calculating. Before we even look at like hotel prices or like no prices at all, I can see her already coming to the conclusion that we can't afford it. I think it's really frustrating. I want to be free. Like I feel like I have this chain around me and I can't live my life. Because if I buy something nice or I do something for our apartment, I just have this voice in the back of my head like, why are you buying this? Why aren't you paying off your debt? We talk a little bit on surface level about money, but I don't think we've ever really talked like this. And so it's kind of the first time I'm hearing it. Welcome to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi, and my guests today are Sheena and Peter, who are both climbing their way out of substantial debt. For today's episode, I'm going to focus on Sheena's debt because it's causing both of them a lot of stress. Sheena has already paid off tens of thousands of dollars, and she also knows exactly when the rest will be paid off. But she just can't seem to stop feeling bad about money. She thinks about it all the time. When she's at the grocery store, when she's eating out, and also when she and Peter are talking about their future together. Now, within minutes, I knew there was something a lot deeper than the debt itself. Remember, this is almost never a math problem. Let's start with her family. And as we go along, listen for the clues. We never really talked about money. Looking back now as an adult, I see that there was a lot of bad credit card usage. My mom, um, she actually just told me that she cut up her credit cards yesterday. I know like when I would help my grandmother pay her bills, I know she had a large amount of debt on her credit cards and she would only pay the minimum. But I remember thinking like, oh, this is never going to get paid off. 
And, you know, when she died, that fell on the family. So selling stuff to pay off the debt. And so I don't think my family really handled money very well. But it's it's kind of frustrating, but also I don't really blame them. I understand. I understand why they were in that situation or in the, or in that situation. When I was going to college, my mom's like, take out as many little, like as much loans as you can, like the full amount. And so that's what I did. And so I graduated with, you know, like $70,000 of student loans. And I don't think my mom realized what kind of burden that would put on me in the future. That constant debt, like I have to pay it every month. And it's, you know, it's not cheap. It's like, you know, 400 and some dollars a month. And I've gotten it down a lot. I'm around $15,000 now left. So it feels better because I'm like, okay, it's getting there. Like I've paid it down from 70,000. But yeah, it's definitely like always felt like a burden or like this dark cloud over me. But like I'm constantly thinking about my debt. Anytime I have to or want to buy something, anytime like I'm going to the grocery store, I'm thinking, okay, how much money do I have? Oh, I don't have as much as I need. So there's like health things that come up. Like I just had to get an MRI and it was $500. And I'm thinking, well, now I have to pay that off. So it it wouldn't be that bad if I didn't have the student loan debt and then the credit card debt on top of that. So I feel like I can't really pay for these necessities that come up. To people in debt, one of the most common feelings they have is one step forward, two steps back. There's even a concept called the poor tax, where poor people actually end up paying more for things like shoes because they can only afford to buy poor quality shoes. Those are the same shoes that break more frequently than higher quality shoes. So here in Sheena's case, she's making progress, and then something comes up that sets her back again. After one time, two times, three times, it's not just frustrating, it starts to feel hopeless. You have to remember, we're not robots. If you and I try something and fail repeatedly, the vast majority of us just give up. So when you look at Sheena's behavior through this lens, one step forward, two steps back, I did everything right, and I can't seem to get ahead, her feelings start to make a lot more sense. Like a year ago, we were talking about going to Japan. And it's something that we really wanted to do for our 10th anniversary, which is this year. And my first thought was, how are we going to make that happen? I have so much debt. I need to pay that off first. How am I going to do this? Like, I don't have money saved. And then I was looking into where we would want to stay and how much that's going to cost. Because, you know, we don't want to go to Japan and stay in like a really cheap hotel. Like, we want to have the full experience. And it just kept adding up. And I'm like, how would I do this? It's uh, like a, a pretty common pattern where I can see it in her face. I can see her calculating, like <laughs> telling things up before we even look at like hotel prices or like, like no prices at all. I can see her already coming to the conclusion that we can't afford it. It's frustrating. And it's also a bummer because it's supposed to be a nice thing, right? It's supposed to be our 10th anniversary. It's not even about like staying at nice hotels. Like if... It's not in the cards for us to have this kind of, you know, extravagant trip. My thinking is always, oh, we can always find something that we would enjoy. It doesn't have to be extravagant, but I can see it in her face already that she's already decided it's not possible. And I think it's really frustrating. 
I've always had this mindset. Okay, we'll figure it out, and if it's even if it's not the most ideal, we can find something that is enjoyable for us. I get really frustrated, I think, and I kind of shut down and I just give up. Oh, it's going to cost this much. You know, I just kind of go into the same thing where I'm explaining, I don't have this money set aside. I have too much debt. It's not possible for us to do this. I think it's just ingrained in me. I've been in so much debt for so long. You know, like paying off student loans, or I was kind of stupid in my twenties, and so I'm like, I'm still paying for that as like, you know, a 35 year old woman, and. So my my plan right now is like I need to put all my money I can to my debt and I need to get that off and I don't have this plan or like way of thinking where I do that and live my life、mm-hmm. and I think that is a very hard thing for me to figure out. Did you catch all those clues? Sheena feels frustrated by her debt. Okay, fine, but then Peter points out that she instinctively says no to anything for the two of them. Meaning her debt is now affecting their relationship, and did you hear what he said? He said, "I could see it in her face, even for something like their ten-year anniversary." You know what I found most interesting, though? In one sentence, Sheena says she basically wants to give up, but then just a few seconds later, she says she has a plan, and that plan is to put all her money towards her debt. This is a really big clue. This is all or nothing thinking. The idea that you either have to go a hundred percent all in, or you're a total failure. And this is really the key to what's going on here. You feel bad for long enough. You either completely give up, or if you stay in the game, you're very likely to develop tunnel vision. Listen to Sheena as she grapples with this. I'm coming to your cities. I recently did an event in New York. It was awesome. I loved bringing real couples up on stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. The crowd loved it. I was sharing real numbers. It was a blast, and I want to do it again. I'm looking to coach couples on stage at my next two live events: one in Philly on June 1st, one in Boston on June 4th. If you and your partner want help connecting over money, you want to solve a big financial challenge you have, please apply at iwt.com/livecoaching. If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com/livecoaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa making classes in Mexico. All kinds of culinary stuff in India, and I'll get a lot of people saying, "Where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found?" And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour, where we took a tour of a new city, and we had an amazing experience—something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over three hundred thousand bookable experiences in one hundred and ninety countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and twenty-four-seven service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for ten percent off your first booking in the app. 
One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. He gets really upset because he wants me to be more positive and he wants to be able to do things with his money. And sorry, it makes me feel bad. It's okay. It makes me feel bad that I can't like those things. Okay. And if you could, how would you, what would it mean to you if you were able to think positively? I think it would be better for him and me, but I, I do think it would be more supportive of him. I think I have like an all or nothing mentality a lot of the time, which he's like, oh no, we'll figure something out. So I think that's exactly what happens yeah. is that I'm sitting there thinking about it and I'm like, well, we can't do it. Like for example, we were redoing our apartment and when we were initially talking about it, she, she's like, has this kind of reaction where it's like overwhelmed already before we even sort of broke it down. And I'd even mention like, okay, maybe we'll just paint the walls or get rid of stuff. It wasn't just the idea of redoing our apartment overwhelmed her. It made me feel like I'm, I'm always taking the lead, whereas I want her to feel like she's a part of the process too. Sheena, what do you think about what Peter just said? I'm sorry. Okay, take your time. It makes me it makes me a little sad that maybe he thinks I'm putting a lot of a lot of this on him to figure things out. And I do, I do kind of shut down right away. I get it's it is, it's because I get overwhelmed. And I don't know if that's just because I'm constantly stressed about debt and money, but it makes me feel sad. And it's hard because we never I mean, we talk a little bit on surface level about money, but I don't think we've ever really talked like this. And so it's it's kind of the first time I'm hearing it. It's just kind of, it's kind of like a nagging voice, you know, just always there. Like, you shouldn't be buying this. You shouldn't be buying socks right now. You have socks. Like stupid little things like that, you know? I, I get a sense of a lot of guilt following us around with how we spend money. And like, for example, like we just had a staycation in, in New York and, you know, it was a, a special that we split and, and all stuff the entire time. Even though we were in this nice room and we were only in room service, you can just feel it. There's like another person there where it's like, do not enjoy this. You, you can't enjoy this, right? Yeah. Even though we, we set money aside, we just couldn't enjoy it as much as we wanted to. Who's that third person there hovering over? Is it the same, <laughs> is it the same person that you said, Sheena, nags you in your head? Yeah. 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 I feel it. Did you know this? Sheena, did you know that Peter knows about this? voice? I don't know if I really knew. I think you, you a get a sense bit. of it. Yeah, you get a sense of it. If I'm preempting your response to like decorating the apartment yeah. or coffee, then yeah. I know it's there. Of course you both yeah. do. You're a couple. You know each other. You don't even have to say anything. If I can stick to my schedule and nothing else comes up, it'll be March 2022. And when is your debt payoff date? It is October uh, 2022. I have to tell you that of the people I speak to who have debt, 95% of them do not know when their debt will be paid off. So you are in a very elite group of people. Okay? I probably I probably look at my finances too much. From what <laughs> yeah, I, we should talk I, about I, that. I yeah. Lots of hints here, lots of clues. First, I'm really impressed that Sheena knows her debt payoff date. Almost nobody knows this. And that demonstrates she's not acting like an ostrich. She's not trying to put her head in the sand and avoid her debt. She's really done some serious work to take control of her debt. 
And in fact, she's paid off over $50,000. If you want to know how to pay off your debt and create a debt payoff plan, you can learn how using my book. But also, notice that she constantly beats herself up. Money is not a source of accomplishment to her. It's not opportunity or growth. It's guilt, shame, negativity. When you hate money, you will make very, very bad decisions around it. Listen as I probe about her feelings around money. When your debt is paid off, do you think your attitude toward money will change? I don't know. That's what I'm a little worried about. I'm worried that, I don't know, like that I'm going to get to this place and that I'm going to feel the same way. Am I actually going to feel better when I get to that point? I really hope so. But I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to stop worrying about money. Like I would love to not have to worry. Oh, do I have enough in my checking account to pay for these groceries? Or do I just use my credit card because I don't have enough? I, I think about it in terms of also like fitness and, and finances are very similar. And I think about, you know, we, we got in shape for our wedding and then we kind of slacked off a little bit afterwards. And I, I feel like that's a possibility too. If like, even though her debt would be paid and she doesn't have this cloud above her, I still feel like she might have that guilt still uh, around spending money. I mean, it's a possibility because then I would be terrified like, oh my God, I can't, you know, I can't have a cre- anything on my credit cards. I'd be maybe a little scared to spend that. But I, w- I would be hoping that based on my spreadsheet that I do have, that I wouldn't have to look at that intensely <laughs> because I wouldn't have all these little other bills to pay. <clears throat> I would be hoping that it would be okay because I, you know, I would have my budget of how much I could spend and then I would pay it off every month, which I've never been able to do that before. I think that your attitude towards money is not going to change at all if you keep doing what you're doing. I think that you are going to pay off your debt. I have total confidence in that. And I think that you are going to continue worrying because it's comfortable and it's what you've known. You already have a plan. So if you were going to stop worrying, you would have already been doing it. That little third party, Franny, or whatever we want to call her, (laughs) Franny's going nowhere unless you force Franny out. And that takes a lot of work. That takes the work that you're doing right now. I know many, many people who pay off their debt or even worse, they make a lot of money and they still feel the exact same way. And they thought that the money in the spreadsheet would solve it, but it's two totally separate problems. Totally. It scares me a little bit because like, I I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to keep feeling like this. Yeah. So tell me what I need to do to change. (laughs) So I don't feel like this in the future. I don't want to go. I don't want to be living in a spreadsheet, but I do. I track every little thing that I buy. Yeah, I used to do it every night. I don't anymore. I do it every Friday, my Friday finances. And how does it make you feel when you do it? It makes me feel in control. Yeah. Oh, wow. Tell me yeah. more about that. It just feel, It makes me feel like I have a handle on my money and like I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. Okay, then if that's true, then why do you feel guilty when you buy toothpaste? Okay, listen closely. Sheena is about to have a major breakthrough. You know, because I'm probably doing it wrong. I'm trying to pay off my credit cards maybe too soon. So what happens is that I put this huge chunk of money onto my credit cards and I give myself 
$150 to spend for the week, which doesn't even cover my food anymore. Yep. So every little thing I buy takes out of that $150 a week. And that runs out pretty fast, especially if all of a sudden I have to get toothpaste. You didn't budget for that, I'm sure. Nobody did. I did not. I did not. So, so yeah, those so, little things like come come into play and then I have to end up using my credit card again. Uh-huh. And are is there a realization you're hearing as you talk about this out loud? That I'm not budgeting properly. What does that mean specifically? Like I am putting too much money onto paying off my debt. But I just feel like I need to be paying it off fast. You know? Almost almost like it's all or nothing. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That all or nothing really sneaks up on me. All or nothing thinking shows up again. This is the idea that if you're watching what you eat and you suddenly have a few chips, your entire day is ruined. So screw it. I'm going to have a pizza and chips and ice cream. Either I'm perfect or I won't even participate at all. Now, of course, hearing this sounds absurd. We know that when kids start to learn how to ride a bike, they suck. Every kid listening to this, you suck at riding a bike. You don't know anything. You can't even stay up on those two pedals. But guess what? We don't expect them to be some racing champion. These kids are just happy. They're having fun. Yeah, they're just happy if they can ride upright for 10 seconds. But as adults, we are so unfamiliar with what it feels like to start from ground zero that we create these all or nothing scenarios. Either we are 100% great or we're not going to play at all. Remember my 85% solution from my book. Getting 85% of the way there is better than dreaming about 100% and actually getting 0% of the way there at all. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, And this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on, and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. 
Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that Peak Tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying Peak Tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Of course, yeah. it hits us in every part of life. So for just a moment, I want you to inhabit my world, what I would be saying if I heard somebody in your situation, and I'm going to repeat a few facts that they've shared with me, and then you play the role of me and you give me some advice. So here are the facts. I've had debt for a long time. I've paid off a considerable amount, and I'm within striking distance of paying it off. I know the exact month and year. I check my finances every Friday, so I know it makes me feel in control. Throughout the week, things tend to come up, and then I overspend. I put it on my credit card. It makes me feel bad. I hear a third voice in the back of my head telling me, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. What advice would you give me? I think that maybe you shouldn't be putting as much onto paying off your debts so that you have that amount set aside for things that come up during the week. But that feels very wrong for me to say. Why? Because having this high interest debt is just adding, you know, every month there's just more and more interest added onto it. So I don't, it's just bad to have that much debt. What I want to point out to you is that money is multidimensional. You're looking at it from the mathematical perspective, which is great. We always want to understand the math. You know your debt payoff date. You know your interest rate. Awesome. But I want you to really reflect on the moments where you have gotten overwhelmed or visibly upset on this call. Let me give you a hint. It wasn't around the math. What was it around? relationship and how it's affecting that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are following the rules, but they are the rules that you set up for yourself. And to tell you the truth, they're making you really upset. So I, what I see when I hear you is someone who has accomplished something extremely impressive. 70K to less than 15K is amazing knows their debt payoff date, is willing to come here and talk to me and engage with your partner. But I just see that this rule you created for yourself is so tightly wound. It's like a rubber band that's ready to snap. And if I could simply suggest one thing would be, what if we just loosen that just a little? What, is it, what does it feel like when you hear that? I think it's a little scary because 
then that means, you know, I live with my debt for a little bit longer, but I think it might be the right thing to do. I think it would make me feel a little bit more at ease too as a Peter. All right, this sounds good. Let's figure out a plan of attack, starting with how much Sheena is spending. $1,860 per month of credit card debt off. Is that correct? At least. And what That's about it. So I want to say it's really counterintuitive to slow your payments on debt. But because you were both really disciplined about your fitness journey, I'm going to use the fitness analogy. You know that if you cut your calories too much, it's possible that you just stop the program altogether. And I think we've all experienced this. We go a little too aggressive and then we just zoom back the other way. Or perhaps you stretch it to 15 months or 16, whatever the number may be, but you're actually going to sustain it and not feel bad the entire time. Most importantly of all, you are starting to work on your money psychology before the debt is paid off. You go down this route, you pay off your debt, you're still gonna be feeling bad and you're gonna have Franny sitting there in the corner for the rest of your life. To me, that's a failure. Because on paper, you're gonna be debt-free, but I know so many other IWT readers, they have made so much money and they are still living guilty lives, the guilt that they started feeling at the age of 15 or 20. That's a failed, rich life to me. Yes, you are going to pay a little bit more in interest. That's okay. It's rare for me to say this, but it is okay. (laughs) Because the rules you set for yourself are so strict and stringent. They're causing you to not live a good life. And it's starting to have serious costs. It's starting to be a barrier between the two of you. Yeah, I I see that because last year alone, I paid off 15,000 just on my credit card. And that was with you know, partially like not having a job too, part of the year. So I was really, really, really strict and it was not fun. It was not fun. I don't really even feel that much better right now paying all that off. So I see what you're saying. Now that Sheena and Peter have a plan that's realistic, we need to do a little bit of what I call failure expectation. When we're creating a plan, I always like to talk about the risks especially when people are about to change the way that they interact with money. I want to inoculate them against what can go wrong because it's going to help them understand what pitfalls to look out for. And that's going to make them much more likely to succeed. I mean, obviously there's going to be more interest, but I really can't see risks with it because I actually feel it would be less risky because right now if I run out of money in my checking, I'm going to my credit card. So it actually seems safer to me in a way, a safer option in terms of the money. Yeah, I don't see other than extending the the time frame for her payoff. I think the longer payment plan might scare her in the beginning, but if if that gives her more time to enjoy her money and and relax a little bit about it, she'll work through that and, and get over it after a, a little bit. I guess the worst fear would be just running my credit cards up so much that I can't afford to pay the minimum and pay for rent and pay my student loans. Like that's the worst thing that could happen. And what happens then? 
my credit score goes down and I get charges on top of that because I'm not paying the minimum. And then so what? just kind of like digging myself into a bigger hole. Yeah. And then what happens? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I always like to ask because, you know, we have these low grade fears often. And with money, I would say yours has been more than a low grade fear. You're talking about groceries and you're thinking about money. But when I ask what's the worst that could happen, it's, well, I might get more debt. Okay, what does that mean? Well, my credit score might go down, but who really cares about your credit score? Yeah. What does that matter? Yeah. So what is the worst fear? Do you think about your relationship? Very scary. It's just scary. It's like, it's making me emotional thinking about it. I just think it, it puts so much stress in my life. And I don't think I've realized for a long time how much stress it gives me. I don't want to have to think about it. I just feel like there's no end in sight. It's just the stress and I don't want that. I want to be free. Like I feel like I have this chain around me and I can't live my life. Because if I buy something nice or I do something for our apartment, I just have this voice in the back of my head like, why are you buying this? Why aren't you paying off your debt? People who have financial problems love to talk about their problems. My job is to get them out of that cycle and to gently focus them on solutions. Here I have a situation where Sheena's money psychology runs deep and it's affecting her relationship with Peter. So what I did was I asked them to put themselves in each other's shoes and verbalize how their partner probably feels. And this is a really, really difficult exercise. And I'm using it because it forces them to get out of their heads and out of their automatic responses. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep, and you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two? Bilingual. And what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. <laughs> and listen, imagine you're going to Mexico or Italy or Thailand this year. Wouldn't it be amazing to at least ask where the bathroom is in the local language or to say thank you when you're walking out of a restaurant? This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited time deal for IWT listeners to help you get started right now. 
Get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for IWT listeners at babbel.com slash Ramit. Get 55% off babbel.com slash Ramit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ramit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay. I'm going to try to think like how you think when we talk about the Japan trip. And if you came to me how I did, I would feel very sad. I feel like you shut down. You shut down like the whole idea. Money is emotional. I would be surprised yeah. if you weren't. You're talking about something you've probably never talked about at this level. I think you might feel kind of nervous to bring up anything else in the future. Maybe that you couldn't contribute to the relationship because I would just, you know, shut it down, shut down an idea. So maybe that would make you feel and scared to communicate to me. I would feel frustrated because I want to do things with you. I want to enjoy life with you, but I, it doesn't seem like I, I can. And it frustrates me. And it can make me feel like I'm not part of, or I'm not fun. I'm not, I can't be a part of this relationship because there's something wrong with with me, like I, I can't get out of this hole and it frustrates me and I know it frustrates you and I don't know what to do about it. That's what I feel like when I think about what you must be going through. Sheena, what do you think about what Peter said? I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I think I, I think, you know, I feel like I can't get out of the hole because I've been in it so long. I, I guess... What I would add is that I just feel like I can't really enjoy life without feeling bad about it. I feel guilt. Yeah, I don't think we've yeah. ever really talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we never really talked about... Life after debt. Yeah, you never have. Even though you had a debt payoff plan, I you never. never once talked about what happens the day after. Well, let's start at the ground level. What if you could go to the grocery store and never, ever think about how much toothpaste costs for you. That would be amazing. <laughs> the simple things in life. We start there. I Never, know. you do not have to price shop on this toothpaste first. You just get it. You want to get to <laughs> be my guest. Okay. What would the next level be? If we could try, you know, when things open up, if we could try like a new cocktail bar that we love to do. Great. How many times per month? Well, let's keep it at one. And how many drinks? Three each. That'd be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So part of changing your psychology, both of you, is to really start to be able to dream bigger. We have earned the right to think bigger. What are you going to do the first month after you paid off the debt? Uh, we should go for a nice dinner. We've gone to nice yeah, dinners. We, we always go to nice dinners. I feel like we should go like upstate or, some, or something. Like We always talk about going to a road trip, uh, going somewhere outside of the city, spending some time together, and hopefully... Franny's not there. Franny is not, not going to be invited along. No. I feel like we will be able to talk about things more and be, I think, more optimistic about things we want to do or, or like redecorating the apartment or trips or even, you know, thinking about going to a nice bar when things open up again. Like, I think she'll be more optimistic and, and excited about it. And I would feel less stress in, in terms of approaching her or having to figure things out all the time. She's always worried about money. And I feel like we can feel more 
like a team with how we decide to spend、um, our time and, and money and, and lives together. That's what I was thinking too. I love this episode because we had so many dynamics at play. Sheena's debt, her impressive payoff, but her focus on money as a source of stress and shame, and of course, how that was affecting her relationship with Peter. Here's my suggestion to you: listen to this episode with your partner and talk about the conversation. Use this as a sounding board. Ask your partner what they noticed. Ask them if they've ever felt overwhelmed with money. Tell them a time where you have. If you find that either of you are judging throughout this episode, pause for a second. Try to understand the ways that you are irrational with your money, or that you are emotional, or just plain weird about money. You might be surprised. And remember, in personal finance, we overvalue math and undervalue psychology. This podcast is meant to help you change that. I received a follow-up letter from Peter and Sheena a few months after we spoke. Now you can read the full letters at iwt.com/followups, but here's an excerpt of what Peter wrote. Since the show, we have zero tension talking about anything money-related. Now, we've booked a trip together without having to question if we could afford it. Even upgraded our seats. We started saving for a bigger apartment. Which includes fifteen thousand dollars for fees and movers, and ended up saving too fast. Being on your podcast really took our relationship to a new level. We just want to thank you so much. To read the full letter, go to iwt.com/slash/followups and enter your email address. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Here's what you'll find next week. On the "I Will Teach You to Be Rich" podcast, I do wish my parents helped more, a hundred percent. But they're very old school. They believe the husband should be making money, the husband should be providing, and everything. It becomes a big fight, and we try to make up at the end of the night, but it adds up. We were living month to month, and I didn't think it was going to be like that before we got married. If you want me to provide. We got a downgrade. I can't keep providing a, a lifestyle that we can't afford.